Welcome to On the Road to Faith. In these short podcasts, I will share with you how certain Bible verses and stories spoke to my heart in a practical way that goes beyond the printed word. I ask you to join me, Ray Bohax, as we sojourn together through the scriptures and come closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please know that I have no formal Bible training. I am only a man that loves the Lord, but fully trusted when he said, If you seek me, you will find me. The scripture each episode explores will not be burdened with identifying chapter and verse. That is not what faith is about. Life is hard and is often filled with brokenness that produces a void that only he can fill if you let him. Thank you for traveling this path with me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to On the Road to Faith. The first story I would like to share with you is about Martha and Mary and Lazarus, and when Lazarus gets sick and passes away, and Jesus delays coming when he hears of Lazarus' illness to heal him. So a little backstory there, and what really spoke to my heart, and everything that I do on this podcast is just going to be how these Bible stories and or verses, as the show goes on in different episodes, uh, came to my heart and showed me this. Now, what's wonderful about the scriptures is that it shows something different to everyone, and uh, also it is always relative. The, the Bible was written more than 2,000 years ago, but it's just as relative today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the purpose of these stories is for us to use them in our life. So basically, in essence, if you look at the scriptures, and I use the King James version, the original King James, is that those stories are meant for us. They're people's lives, that and the different things they went through is meant for us to not to look at them and say, well, that was 2,000 years ago, that was in the Roman days, that was in the Egyptian time. Yes, things may be different as far as the dynamics of the society where they had chariots and not cars, but the whole context of the scriptures ought to speak to us and to be a blessing to us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So a little backstory here. The 33 and the 33 years that Jesus walked the earth, he became wonderful, wonderful friends with two sisters, Martha and Mary, and their brother Lazarus. And Jesus loved them. The scriptures tell us that he loved them. And then what had happened was that Lazarus became ill. And then the two sisters sent a message, because remember back then there was no texting, there was no telephone, there was no there was there was no internet, right? So she sent the message. And how he got the how Jesus got the message is not important. So don't get mired in the unimportant aspects of this. And he got the message in from from what the script from what I could glean in the scriptures is that he was not far away, Jesus, from the town where Martha, Mary, and her brother Lazarus lived. I think it, it's, it's equivalent of two or three miles, but it makes no difference because who knows if even that is correct. But he got a message that Lazarus was very ill, uh, deathly ill, and for Jesus to come to heal him because Martha, Mary, and Lazarus knew that Christ was the Lord. 
So they knew that without a doubt in their mind, that if Jesus were to come, that that he could heal heal the heal their brother. And as you read that story, Jesus took his time to come. He wasn't that far away. He could have yes come more expeditiously, but he purposely took his time to come. And then when he got to uh, their house, Martha came to him and told him and was very angry with Jesus. And obviously Mary was, it doesn't talk much about, I'm sure Mary was very disappointed as we would all be, right? Here we came to the Lord. We, they know he's the Lord. They say, please come and heal our brother that you love. It's not a stranger to Jesus that he loved him. And then he came too late and and Lazarus was already deceased and he was in the tomb so it would be equivalent to being buried today I think he was in the tomb three to four days I think it says it was four days by the time Jesus got there but the verse that really spoke to my heart was that when Jesus came first he was chastised that someone spoke by by Martha saying Lord Lord if you would have come right and then basically in essence saying dilly dally and then that just come here you could have healed him and then jesus said well don't worry he's going to be he's going to be risen again and says yes lord i know in the last days he's going to be risen again but that's not the verse that i want to emphasize in today's podcast there is a sentence and from what i understand it's the shortest sentence in the bible and when jesus got to the house and Martha and Mary were there, and they had guests, which was the custom for people to come over. They were Jewish, and uh, today they called sit 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 shivers, I believe. But in in in, in any uh, religion, people will come over and and give their condolences to the family. And <clears throat> when Jesus got there, after he spoke to the family, and he wept, and that is the shortest sentence in the Bible that I am aware of it's two words jesus wept and that is the basis of what i would like to talk about today is that when you weep if you were to look up in the dictionary weep and cry they basically some some definitions and make a slight variation on they say when you're weeping you're crying or what have you but in the true sense when you weep so a child cries, a, a, a child wants something, they're crying. But when you weep, it's the deepest hurt, the deepest, the, the, the deepest emotion. And right there, Jesus wept. So it says Jesus wept, and then the people who were the, the visitors, the friends, neighbors, whatever, that came, and they they said to themselves, it would be like people in the in the funeral parlor saying, right, oh boy, look how he he truly loved Lazarus because look how he is weeping, how he how he is weeping, and so I've always inter- interpreted wept as the deepest type of sorrow versus crying. And why do I think that that is so, not why do I know it is so important, why did did it jump out to me? Is because I feel that the Lord put that in the scriptures, because all the scriptures are given by divine intervention, right? The Lord put it there, and Jesus wept to show us that he weeps with us. 
So even though he knew that he was going to go to the tomb and call Lazarus out of the grave, and even though he called Lazarus out of the the grave and he lived again, but keep in mind that Jesus is the only person that was resurrected and never died. Any other human being that that was resurrected, and there was three or four of them in the Bible, uh, eventually passed away again. Jesus did not. Jesus is alive today, sitting next to his father on the throne. But Jesus wept, so he's showing us. And that's what spoke to my heart many years ago with that verse. Yes, did he, did, did he delay coming there? He delayed coming there specifically because if he did not delay coming there, he could not be glorified by raising him from the dead, which is what most people, and that is factual, but also he would not have wept. And how can he show us that he weeps with us if he did not weep, if he snapped his fingers and from two miles away and Lazarus was fine and healthy as a horse, right? That wouldn't have happened. And so he needed to come and weep. And in my heart, the Lord spoke to me and said, yes, when we truly weep, that, the, that Christ, our Savior, weeps with us. And that's very important and it, for us to recognize that he shares our sorrows. Now, my interpretation of that is that he weeps with us when we weep. So the the emotion, the feeling that we have, the, the brokenness we have has to be true and has to be real. So, so basically, in essence, if you're a, a, a Mets fan, baseball, and the, the team lo- loses the game and you cry, I don't honestly believe that that the Lord weeps with us when we're crying, or you say, oh, I love that car, my car got dented, or my car got stolen, or something of, and yes, I believe that the Lord honors that, but he does not weep with us. So in our, in the, in the hardest, most heart-wrenching, trying times of our life, when we truly weep from our soul, when our whole person is just broken down and represented by those tears coming from our eyes, that Jesus is weeping with us. And that that is a comforting fact to me. Now, the next story that I would like to talk about is is when the Lord, our Father, was having a conversation with Satan. And there was a man on earth called Job, J-O-B, and Job was very, very well-to-do. He was very blessed financially. He had a lot of cattle. He had a lot of assets, worldly assets. And we'll leave it at that because somebody today may not find that cattle is much of an asset, but worldly assets. And he had, uh, he had a beautiful wife, and he had all of these different things. So basically, Job was living the good life. But Job was also a very, very faithful servant and follower of the Lord. Then this is from the Old Testament. So Jesus has not come on the scene yet onto the earth and was not born yet to be our Savior. So he was still up in heaven sitting with our Father uh, on the throne. So Satan and Lord are talking, and Satan is saying to God that, 
oh, look at your servant, and then God says, well, look at my servant Job, right? And, and basically, in essence, in modern-day language, Satan said to God, well, yeah, look at your servant Job. You're blessed him. He's wealthy. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a beautiful house. He's got all of these cars. He's, well, they don't obviously have that. He's got everything that the world, that this world holds in high esteem. So sure, he's going to praise you. Sure, he's going to be faithful to you because you've blessed him out of his socks, that's so he would worldly things and you gave so what what god said to satan says in, in essence that my my servant job is faithful to me and loves me and that he will basically in essence pass the test of of time and i don't want to really say time but pass the test of recognizing that yes his love for me is not in the material worldly things that i have blessed him with and allowed him to have his love for me is real right his love for me is sincere and so what happens is that the lord and this is the important part all right there's two things here that spoke to my heart all right the lord allowed and the word is allowed the devil to torment job to take away his wealth to take away his health and even to take away his children so he and if you read then that's what people say he's going through the trials of job because there's one after another like a machine gun boom 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 job lost this job lost that job lost this and and the lord said to him so he allowed satan to do that but the lord gave him a command to satan and says you could do whatever you want to him free reign all right free reign but you cannot take his life and that is the point of the story of job that i really am focusing on because satan without question obeyed the lord he did not take his life he took things from him but he did not take his life so what does that mean to me what does that story mean to me it means in this world is so out of control in every aspect shootings draw forget about it. i mean you all know what's going on in this world and it's not just the united states it's all over right and it is no part of this world that is not out of control the weather's out of control everything is out of control and it's very easy for someone to come to themselves whether they verbalize it or not and say that the lord is no longer on his throne it's it, it, it's totally out of control that the and if you have some level of faith say, well, the devil is running rampant and and it's forget about it that the, the god is sitting on his throne uh, uh popping my lantha saying that uh, oh i didn't think it was going to get this bad and that is what that verse says to me it says that no matter how out of control this world seems that satan still had to obey god and not take job's life and he did not take job's life job's life job's life was sick he had wealth he had sores he was broken emotionally broken financially broken but did not take his life so in this crazy topsy-turvy upside-down world as hopeless as it's as it appears the lord is still on his throne and that proves it because if this craziness is coming from satan which it is then he has to honor and obey god 
So I find a very, very high level of hope and confidence and joy and peace in the fact that when the Lord told, gave Satan an, a command, do not take his life, do whatever, do whatever what you want, but, but do not take his life, that without question, Satan obeyed that. So that is, a, to me, that is a very, very comforting, comforting feeling and comforting fact that that scripture spoke to me about. And then the third thing I would like to talk about, what is Noah's Ark and the animals going on to the Ark. Now, if you read Genesis, the first book of the Bible, you know that the Lord created everything, right? In six days and the seventh day, he rested. So the, the, the Lord created, everything is his to create. Now, why, and what came to my mind is if, the, why didn't the Lord go and say to Noah and his family, because he was the only, those were the only ones that they were going to save. And keep in mind, at that particular point, it never rained on the earth. All of the, everything was watered with a heavy dew, with a heavy mist. It never rained up until the day it started to rain to flood the earth. All right, so why didn't the Lord just say, hey, hey, Noah, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to save you and your family, and why am I saving you and your family? Because you are a righteous man, and, he, and the Bible says that he walked with the Lord. My goal in my life is to walk with the Lord. And so he, he said, well, build a little boat, and uh, don't worry about the animals, don't worry about anything, just build a little boat, and then I'm going to flood the earth, and then whatever, I'll save you, and then we'll start all over again. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm making, not making light of it, I'm making a, a, a worldly, today, practical, practical analysis of it. But the Lord had Noah build the ark, and the animals to come to the ark. So now let's look at it, all right? First of all, it makes no mention of how the animals got to the ark, but they came two by two, right? Male and female, not binary, not all this other stuff with his 47 different genders, male and female, they came to the ark. Now, since the Bible does not make clear, it is, you have to not assume, you have to recognize the fact that the Lord spoke to those animals because the scriptures say that God loves his entire creation and instructed them. In my mind, I have a mental picture of a caravan when the ark was complete and, and, and ready that the Lord spoke to the animals' hearts and had them come two by two very orderly, no problems, and come as a caravan to that ark. But really what I wanted to talk about is that if the Lord created everything, he could have had Noah build a, build a small boat, go in there with his family, and he could have snapped his fingers after the flood waters receded, snapped his fingers, and everything, all of the animals, everyone would have been back. Without, without question, he created them. He could snap his fingers into that. Why did he have the animals go onto the ark? And what it, how it spoke to my heart is that it served two purposes. Number one, it, 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 was, it substantiated, not convinced, substantiated the fact that the Lord loves his entire creation and the animals are his creation, and he wanted to establish 
the bond that he always wanted to, since the fall of Adam and Eve to establish the bond of man, his creation, and animals, his creation, because Noah was charged to take care of those animals on the ark. And oftentimes people go, oh, what kind of animals? Look, this is the God of all creation. If you try to apply worldly common sense, what did they eat in the ark? What did they do? Whatever. Forget about it. All right? Forget about it. You're barking up the wrong tree. You have to come into this and read the scriptures and take for face value what those words say because that was faith about don't try to apply a science to it. This is, this is the God of all creation. But, if, but what better way of establishing a bond between man, his creation, and animals, his creation, by saving them together on the ark. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. And God willing, if the Lord blesses it, when the opportunity arises, that I will do more podcasts like this. And I ask you to please share with me your thoughts about different, not just stories in the Bible, scriptures in the Bible. And until we meet again, I ask you to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Have a blessed, blessed day. 